to you. All right. Now, now you can start. Okay. Well, hi, I'm Emily. And I'm Justin. And you're listening to The E&J Show. It's a podcast about dating, sex, the pop culture of our youth, food, and how we're navigating this crazy little thing called life. This week, we'll be, we'll be discussing ideal partners versus the smorgasbord of dating apps, the big scoop arena, which is the scoop movie, if you guys have, haven't seen it yet, and uh, what's been going on with my GRE studying, getting ready for applying to grad school. So what's up, Justin? Well, I think we're going to start off with the most tantalizing information, right? Yeah. Uh, what, what we really are here for, which is uh, the big Scooperino, the Scooby-Doo yeah. movie, uh, Scoob. Scoob. Uh, Scoob exclamation mark yeah, not, point. Not, not just Scoob. Scoob. All, Scoob. all caps. Yeah. And... Um, so, so we, we watched yeah. this the other week yeah. because Justin and I watched the, the Scooby-Doo movie. <laughs> well, and I forget exactly why we both grew up on Scooby-Doo. We don't watch a lot of movies together because we both agree that there are just better things to do with another person than watch a movie for the most part. Yeah. You no, know, I think I'm not I'm not entirely against it. And we were just talking about rewatching Lord of the Rings, but there is yep. something I don't know. Um, like I have personally, I have to be watching a really shitty movie, uh, to enjoy it with other people. You know, I'm not going to yep. sit down and watch like Shawshank Redemption or something. Yeah. Um, um, we, we should also mention that almost every single time we hang out, we go hiking or like do some kind of outdoor activity. So watching the Scooby-Doo movie and eating food was like, did we make food? Um, what did or we, we? Yeah, or we ordered. I don't yeah, remember. I made anyway, you, I, I made you cabbage oh, pancakes. The cabbage pancakes we made. Yeah. Well, yeah, Justin made cabbage pancakes, and we made some vegan ice cream, peanut yeah. butter chocolate ice cream. That was amazing. And we watched the Scooby Doo movie. Uh, so we tr we we treated ourselves. We gave ourselves a little treat. Yeah, it was a little spa day. We gave ourselves uh, the Scoop movie as a treat. Yeah, you really wanted to make that reference, didn't you? Well, once I started <laughs> saying treat, I was uh -huh. like, I have to bring it up. Yeah, not not so secret. No. Well, so, um, I mean, I like watching shitty movies. I, I've had, a, you know, I, I feel like I've, with every partner, um, I've always... I've never watched a serious movie. I've always shown them schlock. Like mm. that that's just kind of what I do. And I, I love it. And there are people out there that do not um they don't appreciate shit. <laughs> no, uh, I you know I can appreciate a steaming hot shit now and then. It's fun I, it's fun to watch shit movies. That's all. Well, and so that's the the great one too of something like Last Airbender or Scoob is that it's from an existing property that a lot of people really like. And it's doing something with it that is the very opposite of the reason why people like it to begin with. And right. so um, I wrote down some bullet points. Um, yeah, I know you did. From the film. I wrote a little novella. <laughs> a, and... a couple of a big, zesty, beautiful 
multi-paragraph essay on the the Scoop movie uh, has taken over our Google Docs on this show. Yeah, and we're just going to run through the plot here um, because I think it speaks for itself. Uh, yeah. So they never really talk about when this is all... Wait, wait. Let me just preface by saying that we are going, we are about to tear apart this movie limb from limb, and we hope that it makes you laugh. Yeah, so it's, um, I don't know the animation company. I, I, it's not yeah, DreamWorks, it's not, it's definitely not Blue Sky, but it's so cheap to make a 3D animated movie these days, which is why yeah. you see like this and the Angry Birds movie and all that crap. Um, so I have no idea who did it, but it, it noticeably looks cheap. We're at the point where in 2020, you can put out a movie that's 3D animated that looks like it came out a good 10 years ago, if it's on right. the cheap side. Like The thing that st stood out to me the most when like when we were talking about this as we were watching it was the quality of the hair. The hair on the people looks like plastic instead of looking like flowing hair like a lot of Pixar movies do now and the, the hair in Pixar movies well that's the thing is I remember watching I think it was Ratatouille was the first one that everyone would talk about the hair you know because you mm. have all these all these human characters and and the rat is in the guy's hair for like the whole movie so they they you know, and that came out in 2006 and it looked really good. But yeah, there's, everyone, everyone in the Scoop movie looks kind of like they're like uh, a Polly Pocket doll. They yeah, this, they're, they look like toys. They've got a weird sheen on them and it's not a stylistic choice. It's very much that, you know, whoever was being underpaid to make these models was being underpaid to make these models. And it doesn't look very good. So uh, to start off the bat. The, the whole thing is just kind of low budget and yeah. um you know it's unfortunate because obviously if you know anything about the movie industry anyone who does computer graphics gets horrible hours and horrible pay and there are stories after stories after stories of whether it be for marvel or like the sonic movie of people being basically abused um to shed out these projects so that, mm -hmm. that was probably going on here, and I do feel really bad for those people. So I think whatever remarks we have to say, it's more about the script. It, it, like 98% of our faults with this movie were the script, I think. Yes, um, yeah. The story was an absolute train wreck. I, half the time we just looked at each other and were like, what is even the plot of this movie? Yeah, you drank a lot of rosé. Um, oh, Okay, but the plot was confusing. No, I'm I'm saying that to justify, like, we needed to dull our senses. We did need to dull our senses. It sounded like an attack on my uh, no, no my perception. No, no. In in fact, the rosé helped. You, at one point, you <laughs> at one point you said we should have gotten high before this, but I don't know. I think I would have been, I would have wanted to just turn it off. Yeah, well, uh, I thought that was the original plan. Even afterwards, I met up with my friend Kathy and told her we had watched it. She was like, did you smoke before? And I was like, no. And she was like, why did you watch that movie sober? Well, I don't know. Yeah. But so to get... for the experience. Right. Yeah. So to get down to it, I mean, everyone yeah. knows. Uh, Scooby-Doo famously takes place in late 60s, early 70s. Everything is really stylized that way. Unless you're talking about the numerous reboots they've done in the last 20 years. But, I mean, the whole point is that they're a bunch of groovy kids. Yep. So where does it take place? Well, 
um, Venice Beach in what originally seems to be the 90s. Um, yeah. Because they're playing a Tupac and there's rollerblading and boom boxes. But there's then, some like hippie dudes and tie dyes, but like not in a 60s way, like in a like a 90s. It's, it's a 90s kind of way. Yeah, it's yeah. the 90s, like 60s revival thing. But then yeah. there's just Shaggy and he's got a smartphone. So immediately yeah. that's out the window. So we're um, like, what is the deck? What decade is this? And, and they never established that. And there are a few other things that come up throughout the film that are really, it's so anachronistic, which it's like, fine, I can let it go, but it's just kind of, it's jarring to say the least. Um, yeah. But so he's in Venice Beach and he's like well-adjusted. He's a kid who's just kind of lonely. Um, and then he runs into Scooby-Doo, who's just like a stray dog, I guess. Right. Yep. Um, I, yeah, I guess so. Scooby stole like a watermelon and then they they run from the cops and they go back to Shaggy's yep. house and he he Shaggy hugs him and then he gives him <laughs> Scooby Doo's famous collar and it already says SB on it and that's when he names him yeah and or SD and, uh, yeah SD whatever yeah and, he gives him a collar that has like he gives him Scooby Doo's collar and he's like I just had this here you go. Yeah, and then Scooby says, oh, I love it, Raggy. I love it taking it off. Yeah, he he's, he says he he's never going to take off. <laughs> he speaks full English sentences. And then I told you at that very moment, I said, there's going to be a point in this movie where he has to take off the collar and it's going to be a big deal. Yep, um, yep. We'll get to yep. that when we get to that. But um, Like, Scoob Scooby speaks more in this movie than I've ever heard Scooby-Doo speak all together in all of the Scooby-Doo that I've seen before this movie. Yeah, it's not just like one or two words. It's it's full on English sentences. No, it's full and, sentences. And and he does it to other people too, because I always remember in the cartoon, he would only really speak to Shaggy or like they would cut away and he would say something, but he wouldn't like communicate with Fred. I don't remember him like talking to the rest of them, like telling them stuff. I don't know. No, um, he says rut row raggy and like pees his pants and quivers, quakes yeah. in his boots. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so I don't know. It's a reboot. But so they go trick or treating. Yeah. Um, they go trick or treating and they're attacked by two juggalo kids. <laughs> like, yep. Like that. And they're not even, it's not even clown makeup. I mean, it's, it's shaggy no, it's too. It's Shaggy to Dope and uh, what the other guy's name is from, from Insane Clown Posse. It's actual yep. Juggalo makeup. Yeah. And they like beat them up and steal their candy because they're like, oh, big corn syrup companies are trying to inflate your dental costs. Like they've got like some weird joke of like they're, they're health Agenda. conscious. Yeah, yeah, they're health conscious vegans. Um, yeah. health, health conscious vegan uh, juggalos, which is really weird because one of the key tenets of juggaloism is that they drink nothing but fago, which is like the worst thing you can put in your mouth. So I don't know. And also, I just I don't know who that's for. Why juggalos? Why um, in current year? I, I'm I'm not sure. Um, I don't know. When but, were the juggle? When was ICP famous in the 2000s or the 90s? Or uh, it kind of died out the early 2000s. It depends where you that's live. What I, I thought. Guess. But it's it, like another example of like, it seems like it's 20 years ago or 15 years ago. 
Yeah, and I think I, I think we can kind of skip over most of the jokes by saying that the humor, sat, the whole humor seems like something that was thought of as funny 15 to 25 years ago and then never yeah. adjusted. it never adjusted for that but there's then, like a well i just want to say there's like a theme in the beginning of the movie where it's like i think it's trying to relate to millennials but it's also trying to relate to zoomers at the same time by showing and, and little kids too by like showing these phones and like they have modern tech but they also give references to like icp and like a uh, sublime type people so it's very confusing yeah, I mean, I think they're trying to target the parents of Zoomers, you know, so people yeah. that are people are that are in their forties and early fifties now that were, you know, yeah. in college in the nineties. But it's it's really bizarre. So then you go from Juggalos to then they meet Velma and um, Daphne and Fred, and Velma's dressed like Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who uh -huh. I know has been around forever, but like the whole iconic status of her has only really been a thing in the last like 10 years or so especially the last three years of this presidency yeah. um so that's like her halloween costume is that she's ruth bader ginsburg which like okay yeah. fine um also daphne's wonder woman because uh, it, warner it's brothers a, it's a it's a warner brothers film so they can do that yeah exactly right yeah uh, so they go into a spooky house. I'm just going to summarize here because there's a lot of yeah, just stuff. There is. <laughs> uh, they go into a weird old house because um, they're like, oh, it's the last place on the block to get treats. So they go in and there's an old guy that looks like Emperor Palpatine from Star Wars. And he's trying Wait, to... Did you... It's a haunted house. I mean, it looks well, very it's... haunted. Well, they said no one lives there, but then they're like, it's haunted by the ghost of this old guy. And they go in and there's this spooky guy that looks like Emperor Palpatine. But then yep. he's like on like this little track attached to the ceiling, like he's a puppet. But yep. then, but then he's not because he's he's real, and he's, he's not a ghost. He's real. he's just a he's just a real guy. And he was like trying to lock kids in his house, but also scare them away because it turned out he had a back room full of stolen like Sears appliances. He had like a bunch of blenders in his back room that he had been stealing. Yeah. And so th then the cops show up and they're like, "Are oh, you safe the day?" Um, and then it just hard cuts to like them now. as yeah, whatever age you're supposed to be, then, like, or the future. Who can truly say? Well, so then that's the weird thing because there's like hard cut, and I think there was the only good part of the movie was they did a nod to the original theme song. They had like oh, the, yeah. the opening credits were like a recreation of that opening theme song, but it looks terrible because again the animation is really bad. Um, and all the lighting on the models is is bad. So yep. I mean, it was cute. I'll give it that. It was um, cute. But present day, they're talking with Simon Cowell, and he's trying to buy their mystery organization. Like he's he's going to become a shareholder. And, and then who the fuck was that for? Well, that's the thing. Like, American Idol hasn't been a thing since the 2000s. I mean, you're right. at least like 12 years late on that one. Um, Why Simon? It makes I, no sense. I don't I don't know. And, you know, if this movie was made like a few years ago, like if this movie was made like six years ago, I could honestly see them having like Donald Trump in that role. And I'm not... Not trying to go into those waters, but like that's the level of like how funny they think they are, right? Well, or I wonder if it's like, it, it, well, for one, he's like 
a B slash C list actor at this point, and he's like affordable to hire. And then also like, is it another like homage or like uh, uh, hat tipping at people our age who like thought Simon was? I wouldn't say cool, but Simon was someone who was popular, who was in the ether ether of like media when we were younger. Yeah, and I I don't know what they're playing at, but the Simon thing comes up like two or three other times, and it is yeah. him. Uh, he got it's a paycheck. Him. Yeah, yeah, no, it's so, truly him. So he he tells them that they're um, Shaggy and Scooby are bad for the brand. Um, they're they're not good, and they gotta leave. So yeah. they just get mad and they walk out and then they go to the... Well, he, he says he wants to buy Mystery Inc., but he'll only buy Mystery Inc. if Shaggy and Scooby are not a part of it. Right, because they're depreciating the brand. He he yeah. wants he wants a different image. So they go next door and they go bowling because apparently they love bowling. And then the bowling pins turn into scorpion robots yep. and almost kill them. And then they go yep. out to the alleyway and they get abducted by a tractor beam from a spaceship. Yes. And then they this, go into the spaceship. Uh, the, uh, the, squir- the scorpion robots also can become like little babies. Robots. Yeah, they have little like... They're really like, cute. They have diapers and mohawk. <laughs> um, they have diapers and little hairs. But th- So then they go into the spaceship and it's Mark Wahlberg who's like the Blue Falcon, which um, I guess predates F-Zero because that's the name of Captain Falcon's little racing ship. Um, but the, I did some research on this, and the Blue Falcon okay. was Blue, Blue Falcon was a Hanna Barbera character, along with his okay. his um, friend, his dog guy. And, oh, yeah. And in like the late '60s, early '70s, Di- Canine Dynamite. What was Dino, his name? Di- I can't believe you remember that. Yeah. And so <laughs> hey. what what happened was for like one season of Scooby Doo, they had like the Scooby Doo and Blue Falcon hour where they would show like an episode of Scooby-Doo oh. and then like the next episode would be like a Blue Falcon thing because they're trying to start their own like superhero type thing. Okay. Um, and then they would kind of cross over. I don't think it was the original, original Scooby-Doo, but like maybe second series, you know, the, the Scooby-Doo no one remembers basically. Um, so it's not like they pulled this character out of nowhere. He is a Hanna-Barbera okay. character. And there's there's a lot of that in this film. They're pulling out a lot of characters that like, unless you grew up with that stuff, there's no way you're gonna know it, but um, it like it turns into like a Marvel movie, like this the scene where they're like in the ship. It it reminds me of like scenes from Marvel movies where they're like, okay, well now we're gonna get the tech, you know, and suit well, so up. That, so that's the other thing is like, you know, we're kind of done with superheroes now for the time being, for the most part. Yeah, yeah. But this movie's all about it to the point where it's yeah. really not about Scooby Doo. It's about the Blue nope. Falcon. Yep. Um, yeah well kinda <laughs> i mean Again. not not kind of like it is no um, it is it is but it's like what i'm saying is like that's why the that's part of why the plot is so confusing because like it is about him and then it's also about scooby and shaggy's like struggles that we'll talk about um and right. the gang trying to find them and just like it's just all over the place and uh, we should mention here so, uh, does simon even come back after that he one does scene? no he okay. does we'll, we'll end, talk about right? that I okay thought, yeah I... but anyway he's barely in it that seems seemed like that scene where he says he's gonna buy mystery ink seems like the crux of the the like the movie like the theme it, it, i mean it actually is 
And it is, but it is literally not brought up again for basically the entire movie. It's 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 what should have been a throwaway joke that wasn't even funny. That is what sets all of the action into motion. Yep. Um, that's so they don't spend basically spend no time at all on uh, the rest of the gang and all the, the three of them are so one note fred yeah instead of being kind of like the fearless leader who doesn't really believe in all the ghosts and stuff he's just kind of like a dumb jock um yeah. and he's, he's like played by zach efron he's played he's played by zach efron because they needed to get stars on there yeah. And so this is the weird thing, though, is because the guy that voices Fred and has voiced him since the original series is still alive and he's in the movie. He voices Scooby-Doo. He voices right. he voices Scooby and Shaggy or Scooby and Fred normally. But see, he's, he's only Shaggy in. I'm sorry. He's only Scooby. So what happens <laughs> when you when you name all your characters similarly? He's only Scooby in the movie. But Zac Efron is Fred. And his only character note is that he's in love with the van like. Yes. Like he he has like heart eyes for the mystery yeah, van. No. Um Fred is sexually attracted to the van. And we're not lying about that. Like no. they, they make a recurring joke out of it and he's like embracing it and like I think he yep. kisses it at one point. Uh, um, yeah, he he definitely embraces it and like there's hearts and it pans away like something's about to happen. Yeah. Um Daphne child eyes. Daphne has no personality. Um, nope. Velma basically does everything more so than usual. Yep. She's yep. also like half Latina, which is like yeah. okay. But they, but it's again, like, it's, yeah, it's cool. But it's, but but it's, that's the thing. It's not even. It's not part of her character. It's literally one line where she like embellishes a little accent on one thing. Yep. Exactly. Which it's just weird. I'm not even. It's not upsetting to me or anything. But it's no. Just like, they they made her like slightly more tan, and she has like you can tell like she has like a slight uh, accent. Like, but other than that, it's like they don't. There's nothing really about her that like. I I guess they were they were definitely trying to do that thing like the opposite of whitewashing, which is great, but it's just poorly done. But they they barely did anything with it. Um, yeah it amounts to nothing so throughout this kidnapping eventually someone tells scooby that he is the literal key holder to the apocalypse because he's extended from uh, he's descended from alexander the great's dog and apparently when alexander the great died he like sealed his dog in hell or vice versa and scooby has the genetic makeup that can reopen the gates to the underworld and yeah. an old Hanna-Barbera ca character by the name of uh, Dick Dastardly mm -hmm. wants to get all the gold in there. And it's revealed that he tried to get into the hell because he, he made right. like, a, he made like a Spider-Man two doc, Ock like portal generator. Yeah. Um, and he sent his dog in there and then his dog got trapped because it's a one way portal. Yeah, his scruffy, mangy, big dog, who he yeah. didn't really like that much, but he also loves a lot. It's complicated. Yeah, he talks about how much he hates him, but then he talks about how much he loves him. But Yeah, they, they have a complicated relationship. Uh, yeah, so it's just, I don't know, he, he uses his Terminator Genesis time machine to send him to hell. 
and then so he needs um scoop he needs scooby and he needs, he needs scoop and he's been, <laughs> he's been going around the world collecting giant dog skulls because he's going to try to terraform athens or rome or wherever to it's athens you always say it's rome but it's totally greece it really doesn't matter anyway no it does he's, because he's alexander the great was from greece it's the same thing so it is super duper not he he's he wants to terraform modern day Athens, Georgia, um, to uh, the the old times, uh, so he can because apparently he can only access the gate to hell that way, um, right? So he he tells them this plot and no one really reacts to it, nope. um, and so he's chasing them around. There's one point where he says his name is Dick and he says it three times in a row and it's really funny because he says Dick Dick Dick. Yes, and, which he said um, in the commercial too. That was the big like pull. That's the only reason why anyone saw the movie. But this guy says his name is Dick, and he screams Dick at Scooby Doo because Scooby Doo keeps calling him Rick because he's Scooby Doo. Yeah, it was real funny. It's not funny. Um. So anyway, the the gang was looking for Shaggy and Scoob, and they only like, they're just driving around in the desert for like hours, and then they go on Instagram. And then um, Blue Falcon tagged Shaggy in a selfie. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, oh, well, we need to find the Blue Falcon. But then a, a big bombshell of a lady pulls them over. Um, and it's Christina Hendricks. But she only has, I'm not kidding, two lines. And then it turns yep. out she's she's uh, Mr. Dick. She's Rick Rastardly. She's Rick Rastardly. Did so, you mention who uh, plays the Blue Falcon? Yeah, it's Mark Wahlberg. Okay. Yeah. I just thought the less the less I say his name, the better. Okay, that's fine. Uh, but it's one of those things. It's like Christina Hendricks was in this film for two minutes, not even. Was that just like but you ate it up? It's just money laundering. You were you were on my couch, stamping your foot on the ground, hooting and hollering with your All tongue right. out. Okay. Steam coming like, out my there, there she is. There she is. Steam coming out my ears. Yep. All right. That's not true, I, but I'll let you say that. I had to hold you by the uh by the by the back of your suspenders to keep you from the TV. Okay, poking a hole on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gross. Well, okay. anyway, they get captured anyway. and um dick's ship is like this old like corrugated steel pirate thing it's like yeah it's, it's, it's falling got, apart it's got steampunk vibes yeah so they're on there and he had been like abusing one of his little robot guys because the the yep. scorpion the scorpion baby robots were made by dick but he he was really mean to one so he took off its head and he put a vacuum on that head. Yeah. Well, uh, he okay. I want to I want to talk about this for a second because this scene is like this adult man, like middle aged man, basically beating up a baby because the robot is in baby form, and you're just watching this baby get the shit beat out of it, 
and then he throws it. He takes it. He rips the baby's head off and throws the head into lava, and puts oh, a yeah. vacuum cleaner that. head on his body. So he kind of looks like one of the droids from um, from the from speaking of Star Wars, from the early Star Wars movies, the 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 reboots from the two thousands. Yeah, he he looks yeah. like a battle droid, but so he looks like a battle droid. He but because he's a vacuum, he essentially has asthma, and so he goes walking around and he sees That's right. Him, and yeah. then Daphne feels sorry for him, and she hugs him, and then it gets real horny, and yeah. then he he unlocks their cage, and then they go into a back room, on the ship, and they use like, like. 1800s telephone technology <laughs> yes well by like, they you mean only the, Velma. the gang well yeah they stand there and watch it happen yeah only she um, knows how to do it they, they use early 1900s phones to hack into the mainframe of the blue falcon ship yep and but it doesn't really accomplish anything other than tell shaggy that they're looking for him yeah well not only the ship they they hack they hack the dog. Dynomut's body, yeah. Yeah. System. And, and during the time that the gang was captured, Scooby was being turned into a superhero. Because yep. Blue Falcon's like, oh, you're the chosen one. Why don't you help me? And that's when he has the big taking off the collar, and he takes off the collar so he can put on a super suit, which is yep, really because dumb. This, because the suit is being made onto his body. It's It's grafted to his body. But yeah. they don't explain why he can't just put the the collar back on. Back he on told, after he, he totally can, but yeah, um, he doesn't. He he doesn't, and I don't know. Shaggy's kind of mad. Yeah, um, the that's when the rift between the two of them begins. So they're looking for like the last uh, dog head skull, and they go to like I forget where they were. They go somewhere, and then Captain Caveman shows up who is another early Hanna-Barbera right. character. Um, yep. And he's he's voiced by Trey, Tracy Morgan. And yep. he's in there for maybe five minutes. So it's like, does Tracy Morgan need to pay like his, his electrical bill that month? Like, why? I don't know why they chose the people they chose. But they, also, they, just, they, they just needed some famous people. Yeah, but they like took whatever they could get, and and then with the Tracy really Morgan did. thing, the the whole caveman people aren't really cavemen. Like Captain Caveman's design is that he's like he looks like a big like potato sack. Like his original yes. design is he's just like this big hairy thing, but then yeah. they changed that so all the um all the cavemen are black and yeah, what, and so instead of just like having like this weird just kind of like onion look to them they all just have really long dreads yeah and, and they're kind of like stereotypically like hood yeah um, it's extremely problematic like the only characters in this movie of color well actually there there is one other character um of color uh oh you're well, right there's daphne actually and then there's um Velma, uh, Sorry, yeah, I always get them confused. Actually, Velma uh, is Latina, and then uh, the the woman who works for uh, she's like uh, the Blue Falcons, sort she's of the, like like pilot. She's the pilot, yeah, but she's she's also like, the commander. She does everything. She's kind of running the show, yeah, but she also has absolutely no personality. Um, 
she's well her her character is supposed to be like the dumb annoying stern woman character she has no agency she's just like essentially her character is supposed to be like a stuck-up you know woman of color like that's yeah um but yeah and then there's Sorry, what were you going to say? I was just going to say all the interactions with her, every single one goes down of her being like, guys, we need to do this. And they're like, no, you're stupid. We're not going to listen to you. And yeah. then she, she comes off as a jerk, but she's always right in the end. Exactly. But she never she never gets her moment of I told you so. I, I She doesn't. She she's, she's just always, you know. She really is like a very unimportant character in the movie, even though like she is doing all the work. But yeah, and then there's these cavemen who are supposed to be, I think they're supposed to be islanders, like, but it's extremely it's, problematic and like, yeah, I mean, straight up racist and weird and not Well, good. but they're cavemen, so it's like, I don't even know how yeah. it could be like some kind of Samoan, Hawaiian thing. I don't, I don't I, know. Oh, um, I didn't mean islander like that. I, I actually oh. meant like Caribbean, Caribbean. Oh, okay. Because I mean... I could see them trying to be like, oh, we saw Moana and uh, it's close enough. I mean, that's the level of like awareness that the movie has. So you say Moana. Yeah. I think it's Moana. Okay. Okay. Well, um, so anyway, Dick shows up and he steals the skull yeah. be- because Scooby was fighting Tracy Morgan in the gladiator arena for no reason. And then Dick shows up and he destroys the Blue Falcon ship. But then That's right. the gang shows up and then Dino Mutt uses his stretchy legs to attach yep. to the van and they literally just rocket to Athens. And then yep. Dick uses the skulls to terraform them to the past. Athens to Italy. To, he, yeah, they terraform to Italy and also back into the past. And then Cerberus comes out of hell. And yep. then everyone everyone takes selfies with it. Yep. Um, and then and it, he's it, got helmets on. Yeah, he has little gladiator helmets. They were really um, trying to. He, I mean, he straight up looks exactly like Cerberus from Harry Potter, but they put helmets on him. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, he he destroys the van, and then Fred gets mad, and he finally That's puts right. on. He he puts on his ascot for the first time, which he, he wasn't wearing. He puts on his ascot. Yeah. Yeah. I and I had mentioned it because I was like, "Where's his ascot?" And then he pulls it out and he puts it on, um, and then he uses the the he uses the, the hubcap. Machine, yeah, as his Captain America shield. And and then he just gets owned. So yeah, he doesn't. He he he's like, this is supposed to be his moment of glory, and he just kind of gets wiped out pretty quickly. Yeah, but what does happen is that all, all the little diaper scorpion robots come in and um they they can turn into little balls, like that's how they get around. Like they kind of do yeah. like, like in uh, in Metroid when when you go into the little ball form. So they all do that and they become like a bunch of marbles and then Cerberus loses his footing and then he goes back into hell. And yeah. so um but then they have to seal Cerberus back into hell and the only yes. way to do that is to uh Scooby and a human that has to be his owner so it has to be Shaggy they have to seal it from the outside and the inside it's exactly like I don't, the think, it, I don't think it had to be Shaggy did it they said either or they just they 
No, they said it has to be like the owner or significant companion. Oh, I thought anyone and, could do it. But then well, Shaggy was like, I'll do it. They had a conversation like they were looking around to the group and they're like, well, and Shaggy's like, you know what? No, I know Scoob the best. I'm, I okay. should do this. Um, and, and yeah, they forgive each other. They forgive each other. And it's just like the ending of Kingdom Hearts where they close yeah. the where they close and, kingdom hearts and one of them has to close it from the hell side and stay in hell and the other one has to close it from the normal world that's what i'm saying world. it's it's yeah. exactly like kingdom hearts they're they're trying to I close never kingdom, played Heart. kingdom hearts at the end of kingdom hearts they have to close the door to kingdom hearts and it can only be helped close by the inside and mickey mouse and riku show up and they're like come on sora you can't do it on your own they're like, well, why can't you come with us? They're like, we have to close it from the inside. It's exactly the same. Exactly okay. the same. And well, I don't think, I don't know necessarily that Kingdom Hearts made it up. No, this but... is entirely, this is 100% Kingdom Hearts original material. Where are you talking okay, about? Okay, all right, all right. So um, I, I think Scooby was like, no, I'm going to stay inside, right? Or was that Shaggy? No, Shaggy. Uh, I've got it. I've okay. got it in my notes. I've got it in my notes that Shaggy. Okay. Sh All right. They they have a back and forth, and they can't decide. And then one of them chooses. But the fact that like Scooby was gonna stay on the people side is weird because, I mean, he's a dog. Yeah, and the whole point was that it's like hell, but it's also dog heaven or something. But so somehow there's a loophole, and like two minutes after scooby going in there they're like oh i guess we'll never see him again and then shaggy like he, he, the statue of alexander the great appears and shaggy like touches it and then that's the back door for hell and scooby just yep. comes out and he's fine um but so during yep. all this happening though dick found the dog and then they stole all, right. they stole all the gold from hell but then yep. if they get caught and then they unmask yep. dick to be Simon Cowell. Oh, but then, yeah. But then they unmask Simon Cowell and he's really Dick. So I don't yes. know if the Simon Cowell that wanted to buy them in the beginning was the real one or Dick, That's or I don't point. know. It doesn't matter. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't matter. Um, and it then it ends, it, it ends by them getting a new like flying van and yep. Fred, Fred wants to fuck it. And yeah, Vel yep. Vel Velma. They have a front. They have a storefront. Or like they've a got business they've front. got like a juice bar now. Yeah. And Velma has like a Zoom call with a client. Back at back at Venice Beach. Back at Venice Beach, and Velma hangs up on the client like halfway through, and she's like, "Come on, yeah. guys, we're, we're gonna help out." She doesn't even tell this woman that they're gonna like help her. She just like no. closes her tablet or laptop, and they in just, the middle of the conversation. Yeah. And then, and then that's it. And then the credits are like, oh, uh, a new superhero team was formed by Jabberjaw, Adam Ant, and Grape Ape, who are like D-list Hanna-Barbera characters. They're like, honestly, if you were not some dumb, stupid, idiot kid that just watched TV nonstop in the early 70s, okay. there's no way you would know mm -hmm. these people. I don't know who that's for, but... Um, that's yeah. That's scoop. I remember you turning that's to me scoop. quite often and shaking your head, and heavy, at one point, heavy sighs. groan, groaning, long sighs. My my hand in my 
my face and my hand, my face palmed. Yeah. Yeah. It was hard to try. Anyway, that movie was not worth watching. Maybe worth watching. Well, so here's here's the final cherry on top, right? Okay. Um, I thought this was a video on demand thing. I thought you could rent this for like five bucks. Oh God. That's, that's what they made it sound like because with, right. with the pandemic, a lot of things are going to where you can pay like, I don't know, $10 and you can rent the movie for 48 hours, whatever. I get it. Yeah. No, this, yeah. you had to buy this off Amazon. We had to buy it. And by we, I mean me. And like, you were so sad about it. And I was just like, I, I guess I'm going to buy this movie. And it was literally $20. And now I, I own Scoop now, forever. And you're going like, to take it to your deathbed. Yeah, like I own it digitally. Like I will be able to watch Scoop anywhere in the world that I have Wi-Fi for the rest of my life. Yep. Yep. Well, that was really soul crushing. Um, let's talk about yeah, that was a lot. Let's talk about something that's also soul crushing. All right. Uh, uh, I I heard you've been studying for a thing. Yeah. So, um, I have I talked about this a little bit last time, but um, I have been studying for the GRE because I have a dream that I would like to go to grad school. Um, and I'll. I'll I'll say first that like I I went to undergrad for art and I did art for a long time and I thought that I was going to go to grad school for art um, and then I had an identity crisis last winter and decided that uh, being a gallery artist was extremely unfulfilling for me um, and I wanted to live a life that I was you know, interacting with other people more for one, because being in your studio all the time is really isolating. Uh, and also just like that helps the environment and the world in some way or both, um, which is how I got into farming and then eventually restaurant work. But I don't know exactly what I want to do in school. I'm thinking about food. I'm thinking about, I mean, I'm actually thinking about anthropology. I'm thinking about um, like activism in some way, uh, and, uh, like ecology and forestry and, and all these different things. I've been looking at a lot of different programs, but for now, since, you know, the last time we talked, uh, was July 7th and I had just started studying at the beginning of July. So it's been a month now I have been studying for the GRE. So I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, how I've been doing it, um, and sort of, uh, you know, which program I'm using to study, um, and how it's going, uh, because I, I think that would be something that's helpful for other people who are getting ready for the GRE. Um, I certainly would have loved to listen to a podcast that talked about the GRE before I started studying, uh, or even would now, because, um, I felt very much so until recently that I could not do it or that I was like too dumb or, you know, I didn't do any math in college. So how could I possibly study for the GRE? Um, so, yeah, 
Um, basically, the beginning of July, I started, I decided that I was going to take the GRE, um, was like step one. And my best friend had used Magoosh last year for her uh, GRE studies. Um, so I decided to get Magoosh as well because uh, it seemed like she had gotten good scores and it was like a really uh, easy or not easy, but easy to follow program. Um, so basically Magoosh, like what is it? Uh, Magoosh is an online test prep company based in Berkeley, California. Uh, they do more than the GRE. They do SAT, ACT, MCAT, GMAT, uh, and more test preparation um, uh, stuff. They uh, basically, for how it works is for, like, they have deals sometimes where, like, you can go on there and, like, for 100 bucks for six months or, like, sometimes it's a little higher, like... I've seen it be up to like 180 even for six months. I paid around 130 for six months. Um, you can also do shorter uh, things. You can do three months or a month if you're if your test is coming up soon and you want to get through it really quickly. Um, but basically, you do uh, video lessons every single day. I watch uh, like between five and ten video lessons. Uh, and then I do uh, a quiz or two at the end of each day, either in math or verbal. Um, and then once a week, too, I do a um, uh, a writing uh, sample. Like you do a basically mock uh, essay writing uh, quiz where you have 30 minutes to either write on the issue or the argument task, which are the two um the essay sections in the GRE, um, and it'll give you sort of a uh, a paragraph that someone has written that's like uh, very opinionated, and you either have to sort of take it apart and talk about why it's wrong, uh, which is usually in the argument section um, or in the issue task. You know, it it really depends, but you can talk about like why you agree with it or why you disagree with it or both. Maybe you have a middle ground. Um, and the issues are, the, the topics are very broad. They're everything from paleo diets to uh, like street crime due to cell phone use uh, uh, and mall, like malls opening, like all kinds of stuff. Um but yeah, it's it's really easy to follow. Um, they basically set up your study uh, guide for you. So I'm like I said, I'm doing the six month uh, beginner because I've never taken the GRE before. And I watch these videos every single day. Mostly I do math because I figured I would be really, really poor at math because I'm not a math person. I went to school for visual art. I haven't done math at all, basically, since I was uh like 18 years old, literally 10 years ago. Uh, and Mike is their math guy. I call him Mike, the math guy. And then Chris Lely's their verbal uh, expert. Uh, and they basically teach you everything you need to know about the GRE, um, like all the equations and uh, different ways to solve algebra uh, equations and systems and uh, talk about polygons and triangles and 
uh, like on the verbal side, they talk about the different questions you're going to find, like um, reading comprehension questions and uh, fill in the blanks, which are the verbal questions. Um, so you need to get your, your uh, uh, what sort of looking for? You need to know a lot of words is what I'm trying to say. And luckily, on that note, they actually have an app for your phone um, that's flashcards for all of the um, the, the vocabulary is what I'm looking for. The, vo the vocabulary you're going to need to know for the test. Um, and I just want to say, like, since I started it, um, like I like I said, I'm not a math person. I never identified that way. But these videos have really shown me the beauty in math. Like I find myself like finding out things that uh, I didn't know that are really interesting and sort of like make math feel like fun and like this beautiful puzzle. Um, like recently I learned that uh, the number, and I think I've talked to you about this, Justin, but um, the number of triangles in uh a shape is going to be two, uh, two less than the number of angles in a shape. So for instance, a triangle itself, there's one triangle in a triangle and it has three angles. A square has uh, two triangles and it has four angles. Uh, and that goes on forever. Like an octagon has eight angles and so it must have six triangles within it uh that literally goes on forever and ever however many triangles they are so i thought that was really cool uh the other really the other really cool thing in math um that i uh that i enjoyed learning was that when you have a fraction um there's a lot of different things that you can do with fractions and, and fractions like don't get me wrong, like fractions are important, but I still think they suck and I hate learning about them. But one really cool thing about fractions is that um, if you have uh, a number in the numerator and another number in the denominator, which is the top and the bottom, in case you forgot, if you add a number to the top and another number to the bottom, um, for instance, if you add two to the numerator and five to the denominator, that is going to move that fraction towards two fifths on the number line. And again, like that goes for every single number. If, for, for instance, the number one, uh, if you add, let's say your fraction is, you know, five sixths or whatever, uh, if you add a, uh, uh, sorry, how do I put this? If you add a one to the the numerator and you leave the denominator as it is because one equals six over six, which is the same as the other numerator, uh, sorry, the other denominator, that is going to move that fraction towards the number one. I hope that makes sense. Um, but that literally goes for every single number, which I just found so interesting. Um, and I'm nerding out here because I clearly have really taken a liking to math that I, again, never would have thought would have happened before studying with Magoosh, uh, which has really helped me uh, as I, you know, prepare to take this test because that's kind of the mindset that you need to have. Like, okay, maybe you're not a math person or maybe you're not a verbal person, but you're not learning how to be 
a mathematician or a, you know, a writer or an English major, you know, uh, any or writing major or anything like that. You are literally learning how to take this exam, uh, which is the most important thing you need to think about as you're doing it. I know it sounds really silly and like I will get in my own head, too, where I'm like, this is so dumb. Why am I doing this? Um but I mean, the bottom line is, why are you doing it? Because you want your life to be better and you want your life to be more fulfilling. I mean, that's why I'm doing it. Maybe that's not why you're doing it. But whatever your reason is, you know, have a reason um, and, and and give it what you have. Um, but. Uh, Uh, as you take the tests too each each day, the quizzes, um, it it gives you an estimate of what your score is gonna be, which is really helpful, like on the actual test. Um, and I took my first practice test a week ago, uh, actually, and you know, I would have thought my math would have been abysmal and my verbal would have been really good. But actually, my math is almost where it needs to be as someone who's going for like interdisciplinary or humanities. Um, uh, major and um, my verbal is actually lower than I expected so my math is higher than my verbal all because of Magoosh um, and like since I started with Magoosh I had my math the you know the first couple of weeks was I would get like 30% of questions right just today, like after I took my my quizzes, my first quiz was 50% and the other was 60, which I know sounds like low, but you can't think about it like the way that high school quizzes work. You know, a 50 is not a fail. Like a 50 is, is, is 50%. Like it's not that bad. Right. Um, that's, that's part of the design of it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and if you do, if you're really not great at one of the sections, the second you have each um each section on the quiz like the verbal and the um the math those each have two so there's four sections altogether and there's actually a fifth because they do an experimental section which is usually which is totally ungraded and usually it's math it's like basically i think they're just like trying to uh they're trying to ask questions that they 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 want to know if they'll work for future tests um, but sorry, so I'm rambling, but the, if your first, uh, section of a subject isn't, you know, that great, uh, your second, uh, section of that same subject is going to be easier questions. So if you are like really bad at math, the second section is going to be easier than the first. And if you're really good at verbal or math, the second section is actually going to be harder. The thing about that is um, uh, section to section, the the points are worth exactly the same. And even in the same even in the same section, all the points are worth the equally. So like don't. Word. Don't try too hard at math or verbal if you're actually not good at it, because if you flunk that second section, it's not going to be good. Um, I think that's actually what happened on my verbal uh, in my practice test. Um, the one thing, the one flaw I will say, or it's not really a flaw, but the one thing they don't have on Magoosh is um, for the writing, because uh, they use a software to to calculate your score. They don't like have anyone to test to um, 
to look at your, uh, your write your essays for you. So that's something that you need to like call upon your friends uh, and people you look up to who are really good writers, uh, for, to look at your essays for you to see if they are where they need to be. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's basically it. That is literally what I have been doing every single day, basically since the beginning of July is studying like upwards of five, six, seven hours a day for this test. It's a lot. I mean, that's it's a lot. It's a full time job on its own. It is. And luckily, this is the during times we are in the middle of the pandemic and I do have time to work on this. Um, and I still have two months, so I have faith. That is the thing. You need to continue to have faith. You will have good days and bad days. And you are so going to understand like when those are and like how your brain works better as you as you study. Um, cause some days you're you're just not gonna be able to focus and some you are and you're gonna feel good and bad about it, but just like you need to continue to believe that you're going to do well. Um because it's not as hard as you think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I haven't been, <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to think about going back because I am younger than you. The idea of yeah. going back to school and doing all of that all over again. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's kind of daunting. You know, I, I have, I have thought about taking some classes through my job opportunities. Um, but with the way everything has been going, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, um, I'd much rather do that. I don't know. I'd rather do that in person there on campus. Um, yeah, I mean, me too. And as I'm getting, so the thing about the GRE too is it's good for five years. So like, you know, in theory, when I when I started studying or even before I started studying, you know, I, I was hoping that, you know, maybe I would apply this year and by 2021 and, you know, next summer, I would be able to go to school in person. With everything that's happening, I have no idea. No one has any idea, um, except maybe extremely smart people who are good at predicting things. But um yeah, I don't want to go to school online either. I want to go have an experience at grad school. So, you know, I'm just doing this now because I have time. You know, I'll probably get another job after I'm done studying. I undoubtedly will. And just like hold if if my scores are good, I should say if my scores are bad, I will have to take the test again. But I still I will get a job and apply next year, probably or the year after, depending on uh, what COVID is looking like as we move forward. Well, welcome back. Yep. Uh, I think we are, we're going to uh, gear up for our, our last section that we're going to talk about, uh, which was the idealized partner versus the smorgasbord. Uh, we kind of, I thought we talked about this last time, but we actually talked about it in person. Um, well, I've been reading The Women Who Run With the Wolves, which is a a book by Clarissa Pinkola Estes um, about uh, 
finding yourself and making sense of this life that we live in and all of that. But um, there's a lot of different chapters where she, she basically uh, takes apart um, different um, archetypes or different uh, wild female archetypes in stories from the past um, from different cultures um, and, and sort of talks about what they mean. Uh, and what we're going to be talking about comes from the section on um, kind of like finding a partner, basically, or uh, it's, it's about the skeleton woman specifically. But um, so she talks about in the book um, this idea. She uses an analogy of like looking for a partner um, as a I should say a romantic partner specifically as um as like being in front of a smorgasbord and like. The idea basically is like you can't look at like this feast in front of you on the table and sort of just like eye at all this food and pick what's most appetizing to you. You actually if you would like to find like authentic love, you need to like close your eyes and look inside yourself for what you need um, and and sort of let your your psyche tell you what you are looking for and uh and maybe, and as she says, like, maybe that's not in front of you right now. Um, maybe it's not on the table. Uh, and that means that you should wait. Um, but I immediately thought of the comparison to the dating apps where, like, literally you have this, you know, table of goodies in front of you, for lack of a better word, term, Uh and you sort of like swipe left and right based on like how appetizing these people are to you. Um, what do you think about that, Justin? Yeah. I mean, the whole, all of the apps, um, I don't know if a commodification is the right term for what they've done to that um, kind of courting and dating process and just finding people. Yeah, but it's so it's so impersonal. I mean, obviously, because you're doing it through a phone, right? But um, you know, I feel like a lot of people. I mean, first of all, none of these things are really they're designed with one or two things in mind, right? A lot of these apps are either dating apps, quote unquote, or they're hookup apps. Right. But I think a lot of people just use them for memes or just to shoot the breeze or whatever. Um, so yeah, it's it's hard if you're someone who does want to go out and you know not even find the one because that's kind of a, a silly expectation for something like that. But if if you're just looking to go out on a date with someone or just try to connect with someone with similar interests, it can be. I found kind of alienating when you have these people that treat it like it's a big meme or treat it like it is some kind of weird uh, video game almost. Yeah, when you say meme, like, what do you mean by that? Like, they're just there to be goofy and not take it seriously and not have serious conversations. Yeah. Um, and just, like... I don't I don't know. Um it makes me wonder about some of those people and if they um 
what they really get out of connecting with other people and how often they really have conversations with their friends or other people, you know, like why, obviously there's a reason why everyone's on such apps, but yeah, you, well, you, you've talked about having a couple of pen pals on the apps, which I think is uh, a different experience than I've had on the apps. Cause I'm very much so like, we talked about this yes, or two days ago, but if I'm not like feeling it from the other person, like if I can tell they're not interested or I'm not interested, I will like immediately stop talking to them. Well, the thing for me is I found it kind of difficult to discern whether or not someone is interested on the apps because I've yeah. had some really nice, um, thoughtful conversations with people and then they completely just vanish, you know? It's true, yeah. They, they'll completely vanish. And then you have people that are just so uninterested that it's like they don't ask you any questions about yourself. They don't really follow up. Everything's yep. kind of a one-word answer. So it's like, why am I wasting my time? And then yeah. there's there's the third category, which I've been running into recently, and I, it's entirely a product of the pandemic. And that's people are, that are way too forward. And it's... It's really a lot for me, at least. Um, I do not have this problem. I, I'm i not sure exactly what it is, um, but there have been a few, more than a few. There, and I have it, heard. Yeah. These, women, these women cannot stop throwing themselves at Justin. I mean, I want to <laughs> say I'm honored by that. But I I think that you are, and I think the, that's why you keep talking to them, which is totally valid and fine. I I've not talked to any of the people I've mentioned to you. I've cut contact with all of them recently, recently. But at the time, in like the past, yeah, yeah. But the thing is, it's you know, these people don't really want to talk. They they want to fuck. I mean, that's they do. Well, that's uh, and, and which and, is fine. That's kind of something I want to talk about too. Is like no shade to anyone who does use this these apps to like hook up um I, I think that is like a huge part of like why they were invented um and i don't think it's wrong to just like want to hook up if that's the, where you are in your life uh but make that known like you know as, yeah. as quickly as possible and and that's the big thing for me is 100 percent of the people i mentioned that fall into that category did not make it known. So then it's really weird to have a conversation. And then within two minutes, it goes from usual small talk to like really raunchy and in your face. And it's just, it's, it's emotional whiplash. And yeah. I'm sure there are plenty of guys out there that would be okay with that. But for me, right. at least being in the middle of a pandemic, I don't feel comfortable um, associating with someone who really would not have any bit of caution about I mean, I'm not kidding, getting an Uber to go to someone's house 20 minutes after matching with them on an app, you know? Like that that's, is insane to me. It's it's a lot. And then and then get mad, and then get mad when I say, hey, you know what? You might want to pump the brakes. And it, you know what? In one case, and I know I've told you this, but this is a great example. I was talking to someone, um, and we were going to hang out, like, do whatever you can really do on a pandemic date. I think we're just going to go for a walk or something. I don't know. You can do whatever you want. Yeah, well, it's not, you can't really get coffee, you know, it's not. Um, oh, oh, yeah. But I mean, you can have sex. Yeah, no, that's not what I was referring to. It's it's more. No, I know, like, I know. But I'm just saying, like, you can. Yeah, no, I'm not, saying you, I'm not saying you can't. But 
anyway anyway um, so and then i get a text saying oh i was in contact with someone who's in contact with someone who oh, right. is getting tested for covid um but i feel fine i still want to meet up this evening and i said well i'm not super paranoid about all of this stuff but you are also the first person I've talked to that's been six degrees of Kevin Bacon or whatever, you know, away from this thing. And I yeah. said, you know, maybe you should, because the person that they were in contact with that was in contact with said person is like their roommate. So it's like, it's not just like yeah. a passing thing. It's like you live with this person. So I said, yeah. I think, I think you should really get a test. And then of course, next day, 9.30 AM, I get a text. So I've got COVID. And I was like, yeah, oh. I mean, you know, like, that's, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. But and again, I will say it, it, it's nice, at least that they did warn you, because some a lot of people would not. Yeah, um, they, they did straight up tell you that they were in contact with someone who had COVID. They they did. And I, I will I'll give them that much. But at the same time, they absolutely saw no reason why we shouldn't hang out. And I had to walk them through why possibly that could be a bad idea. And then I ended up being proved right the next day. Yeah. Um, so I can only give them so much credit for being cautious when they they did the bare minimum. I'll give them that. They did the bare minimum. They did, but they did it. Um, yeah. But so that's, and, you know, again, fine. I'm not here to police what people are doing um, in these times. But I don't know. There's something, I think, and we were talking about this the other day, I think there's something really isolating about, obviously, the fact that we can't go out and do things yeah. that normal society, you know, whether it be go to a beer garden or a museum or just seeing, having cookouts and all of that. And so when you're reduced to meeting people online, and in a pandemic, and if you are single or, I don't know, like in an open long distance thing or whatever, if you don't have a consistent nearby partner or in whatever form, um, it, it kind of feels like there's a, an additional urgency to, um, I don't know, meet someone because it's like, oh, gosh, I've got all this time on my oh, hands. I, I actually feel kind of the opposite where I'm just like, I don't you know i don't trust most people that you know like not that i don't trust them but it's like you know this crisis is really happening i don't yeah our numbers are down in mass which is really good but i don't know who's been in contact with who and whatever else i have not gone on any dates besides like with the person i was already seeing when this started because i i'm not in a i'm not in a rush and i don't think that they're in a rush either well, so what I was going to say is I don't feel like I'm in a rush, but there does, oh. there is this weird, I think people want connection in whatever form they yeah. can get it. And so yeah. I think for some yeah. people, it, it is like, okay, I'm not the type to hook up. I'm not the type to do this, but hey, fuck it. We're all in the situation or whatever they're feeling. I think people are a little more, I don't know. But lonely. Yeah, they're just lonely. And, and that lonely. manifests, it manifests in different ways. Um, yeah, and I and I think that is part of the pen pal thing, at least you know from what I was talking. To, I actually was talking to my therapist about this yesterday. It was like people are really talking to each other online because they're not talking to as many people in real life. 
Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm lucky in that I do have a few friends that I meet up with, you know, maybe every week or so. And we have socially, socially distanced beers and everything. And that is nice. Um, But But we're not going to work and we're not, you know, getting our coffee from the barista that we know every day and this and that. Yeah. And, and all of that. And I think what it's also interesting is that a lot of people, um, I mentioned this earlier, a lot of people don't really have conversations and talk with their friends as much as they think they should, you know, just for their own kind of sanity. Um, so I was kind of talking about this with, with a friend of mine when we were talking about the apps and both kind of talking about just weird interactions we, we've had um, over the past few months with people on these apps. And it's yeah. like, it's like, are they really that starved for yes. connection? And, and uh, yeah, I think, I think the answer is yes. I yeah, absolutely. I, mean, I, I pick up on that really quickly. That's an example of like a type of person that I would immediately like stop talking to if they were like, you know, if they were really, really quick to respond or they asked like really in, invasive personal questions or like, you know, just like clearly showed that they didn't have any social skills. I'm like, okay, here's someone with no friends, which like is really sad. And like, I don't want to say that like they don't deserve my attention or something like that. But if I'm, it's just, this is not someone who's like, I'm trying to be friends with or help in any way. This is someone I'm looking for, for a partner situation or like would like to go out with. It's like, I no, I don't want to spend time with someone who does not, uh, you know what? I know I don't want like someone to be my partner who is like so starved for attention that they like are like, Ooh, this girl is paying attention to me. I'm going to give her all of my attention now. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I feel bad for people in those situations. Yeah, it's um, I've talked to so many people. I mean, again, all of the people I've talked to and then they've gotten just like they cranked it up to 11, made me feel uncomfortable. It's it's not so much that I felt uncomfortable, um, obviously, I mean, I, I feel a bit uncomfortable getting sexual with someone over text when I don't even know them, you know, obviously. But yeah. it was more it's more to me because it's like I just like tell me about yourself. I don't I'm not gonna lay out dirty stuff when I don't know who you are. Yeah. I don't even and a lot of yeah. these people when I ask them what are your quarantine projects? Like, what have you been doing? What do you, how do you occupy your time? Just general, because those are ways of, you know, getting to know someone's personality. A lot of them don't really have any answers and they've been watching Netflix for for like five months now. Um, Another example of a person that I would stop talking to, like you don't have any hobbies. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's, I mean, again, I'm four years younger than you. So I think I know. At, at this age range, I think um, I think that behavior is somewhat more excusable. But it, yeah. it's really it's really fascinating to me because when I think about what I've been doing over the past few months and how I feel like I haven't done much, and then I compare it to all these people, and it's like, wow, no, I've actually been busy. I've got no, work, you've been I've been working. Busy. Yeah, but it doesn't. It's, that's the thing. It's when you're actually doing it, and then not seeing other people. It doesn't feel like, yeah. it. you know, yeah. I, I think that's, I think that's the disconnect of not having the social aspect and being yeah. so in yourself that 
you don't realize how much time you're really giving just yourself, you know? Yeah. Um, and, so, and a good, so good time. Do you feel like, uh, do you feel like dating apps now, your experience is better or worse, like during the quarantine? Um, I'm matching and talking to more people, but it's not like, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to use a metric of like, did I go on a date with this person? Did I sleep with this person? That's no, I meant, I'm not, like, not going to use you, that. Are you making connections? Like, do you feel like you're talking to people more and like, like, per, like, Pers do you think like you're making more personal connections? Um, slightly, but I mean, uh, not by a huge much, a huge amount. You yeah. Know? Um, I, I, mean, I don't think so either. But I'm. I was just curious what your experience. No, was. I mean on a scale of one to ten, whereas before it was one, now it's maybe three. You know, like it's. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I I couldn't really say that because again, I, I kind of fall off talking with these people or they they stop talking to me. Um yeah. and yeah, it just doesn't I don't feel as empty because I'm not putting I don't really put as much thought into it. But at the same time, yeah. it does it does kind of suck to talk with someone for two days and then realize that all the conversation you just had is all the conversation they're capable of and you've exhausted yeah all of that out of them and if you went on a date yep. or or just kept talking there'd be nothing it's like you you've exhausted all of the possibilities of their personality and again i'm not saying this to rag on anyone but um there are a lot I of mean, people out there that are there's that, that these people are single right not just because they want to be yeah i mean i suppose there's a truth there um well how many times like i only have one app right now i only have hinge but i have had i've had bumble i've had hinge i've had tinder i've had okay cupid i think that's it but i've on literally all the apps like you know i've seen the same people you know there's always like a couple of people who have every single app all at the same time and it's like what what's your end what is what are you doing buddy i they're playing the field i mean they're and i i have tinder i've got bumble and i've got hinge no one works any more than any other they're all they're all the same they all have different faults um again nothing i, I don't know nothing's really come of any of it so yeah no i've it, been on since my breakup with my long-term partner, I have been on as many dates with people I've met in real life as people I have met on the apps, which is to say, you know, I've, I've gone, I've, whatever, I've, actually, wait, maybe that's not true. I've maybe one more person on the app, but, uh, I act. I don't go out with that many people I meet on the apps anyway, because like, like you said, like they drop off or you drop off. I mean, often it's like I just don't. I don't want to meet them. Yeah, I mean that's that's the weird thing, and so that's why normally I like to take things off the apps as soon as possible because things can peter out really fast. Um, but... I don't want anyone to have my real number. Yeah, that's part of it for me too. It's like I'll give you my number when 
like we've gone on a date that was good and there's clearly more but it's like i'm not going to give you my number go on a lame boring date <laughs> and yeah, then ne never talk again yeah that's smart my last partner was like that i remember i like tried to get his number the first time we talked online which was like two years ago or a year ago, a year and a half, whatever. Anyway, but he was just like, oh, no, not yet. But then after we went on the first date, he was like, here's my number. Call me maybe. Call me maybe. Call me baby. Yeah, I mean, so I think I think the final analysis of this is that the most telling thing is um, all the partners we've had mm -hmm. have been from people that we've met in person. All the partners we've loved before. Yeah, yeah, that's Are that's from what I people mean. we met in person. No, that's not true. Did you? Were there people from the apps for you? Yeah, I mean, I I dated this guy last summer. Or oh, I forgot. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I guess yeah, I forget I, about what yeah. you you consider you know defined dating versus seeing someone. Okay, that's that. true. This was this was casual. I think like if I kept it going, it could have turned into something, but I personally didn't want it to because I just I was never meant to be like that. But I mean, yeah, we we dated. We saw each other for three or four months. And then uh, and then my last partner, who was more of a true partner, but even that's like wishy washy and confusing. But we dated for like five or six months Um and we went on dates and we had, you know, romantic times and we met online. But that was like the only time that's happened to me. Yeah, I guess that's more of, you know, again, I didn't know where you drew that line of seeing someone versus dates. And, I, you know, everyone's got a different view on that. But I think still, if I mean, you're dating for a couple of months, even if you're like, if, I can't imagine, I know it exists, but I can't imagine for myself, like, having sex with someone for months and not having any feelings for them. So I, I, I think at that point, like if I've been seeing someone, even if I'm just hooking up with them and they're just like coming over and we're, we're doing, you know, we're having time here. Like there's still like, you know, we watch TV and we talk to each other and we update each other about our lives. Like, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, a, it's a relationship. It's a, it's a limited relationship, but it's still a relationship. Right. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go make some food now. This has been fun. Um, any closing statements? I don't think we should talk about, um, I don't have any, uh, recommendations for this week. Month. Yeah, I don't, I don't either. Well, um, it's not, not recommendation. Um, no, I don't have any recommendations as far as, like, Here's something we talked about. I want all of you to check it out, but I will mention um, since we last recorded, I saw both Uncut Gems and Parasite, and yeah. they both really live up to what everyone's been saying. Yep, that's um, what you said. If you haven't seen them, I would recommend checking them out. Um, oh, I but, watched. Sorry, you go on. Um, I don't. <laughs> yeah, I watched the Danish girl. Is what I was gonna say. Right. Which, is, uh, which we talked about, but um, 
I mean, it's worth watching. It's kind of interesting. Uh, who's that actor again? I always forget his name. Eddie Redmayne. Eddie Redmayne? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he plays um, someone who is uh, transgendered, who happens to be the first person who went through um, uh, gender re gender confirming surgery i always forget how to say that but um uh, gender reassignment surgery gender reassignment surgery sure yeah at, um, le at least i thought that's the term they, they may be something else now i thought but. it was confirming because it's like you are already you were assigned the wrong thing but you you are this this other gender that you yeah, are I'm not, so, anyway I'm not. anyway so this person um who lives in, who's Danish, um, is, uh, Lily is her name. She, uh, is a transgendered woman and she goes, she has the, one of the first or the first, um, corrective surgeries. Um, and it's kind of dark and kind of beautiful and it's worth watching. It's, it's, uh, as I said to Justin, the Rotten Tomatoes review I read said it was, all the charm, but no passion. That's basically how I'd describe it. Yeah, I haven't. I remember when it came out. Um, yeah. It seemed like one of those kind of Oscar bait movies. I don't know. Yeah. I would rather hear that story be told in a documentary than with actors. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, especially since they left out a lot of the juice it seems like right yeah but um yeah well thanks for listening um we are in the works right now of creating a, a web page um on my art website where we're gonna be uploading these recordings these episodes um and uh i will be forwarding that link that url to people very soon um we hope you enjoyed this episode hopefully it was a little bit less of a disaster than the last episode or a little bit more entertaining and uh, somewhat professional. Uh, we'll see what we can salvage with editing. Yeah, we have been recording for over two hours at this point, I think. So, um, yeah, uh, time to eat.